This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Good evening. Great to see you. Thank you so much for coming out on the Saturday evening. It's great to be in the house of the Lord together and uh, just a great privilege to be with Pastor Dave and Sally and uh, to join with you again for this weekend. And uh, I don't know if you can tell, but uh, I'm struggling with my voice, so I shan't be singing tonight. Uh, So we've got to pray that uh, tomorrow I'll be a bit better. Amen. So... You know, preaching and uh, in hot places and you know what it's like, you come out in the cold and uh, the temperature, the climate changes and uh, that sort of thing sort of affects your voice. But uh, praise the Lord. I believe we can have a great weekend together. And Miriam sends a love to you. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about our story tomorrow when there's a few more of your folks in because I think it's probably filtered through to you that there's been some dramatic changes for Miriam and I ministry-wise, location-wise, and we'll, we'll tell you our story. And it's all very exciting. Amen? It really is exciting. And uh, when God does something, it is just smooth. Uh, and uh, it's, it's just a joy to see what God's doing in a fresh environment. Amen. Well, let me come straight to the word of the Lord. We're going to pray together. And uh, I'm going to uh, just share with you a, a series over these few days, as I normally do, like to come and preach a series. So the messages are connected up. And uh, the series that I'm going to preach, you might think, well, this is about discipleship, early discipleship. Well, I think we'll take a different slant on it. The message is becoming a follower of Jesus. Amen. So simple, becoming a true follower of Jesus. So let's pray together. Father, as we open up your word this evening, we pray that your anointing will come down upon each one of us. We ask in the authority of your name, Jesus, that every hindrance and barrier uh, to us making spiritual, true spiritual progress in our relationship with you would be brought down, that we would walk on smooth paths, Lord, And that as we sit at your feet tonight, in particular, we pray that you will open it up to us like a lamp to our feet. It will shine a light upon the pathway that we are walking. We pray, O God, that you will give us understanding and revelation. We ask, Lord, we will see things that we have not seen before. We pray that there will be no guard or, or, or no resistance in us and that we will allow the transparency of our hearts to be brought before you and no hidden thing would be kept from your gaze. Uh, Lord, we know that you see all things, but there are times when we would be more comfortable hiding from you just as Adam sought to do. And Lord, we pray that as we sit uh, as part of the new Adam, shaped by you, Lord, that we would not hide among the leaves, as it were, among the trees, those things that would be uh, in, in our minds, in our hearts. But Lord, just we 
with total openness before you. We pray that there will be real deep spiritual surgery in each one of us. We pray, oh God, that you will mend our hearts and our minds and even our physical bodies. Lord, that we would receive a divine touch over these two days that we spend together. We pray, oh God, for impartation of your Holy Spirit in us and through us because, Lord, we are serious about following you. And we pray, oh God, that we would have hearts that would respond to you and faith. Lord, grant the gift of faith in the building over these coming days as we walk together for your glory. Let one name be honored. Let one name be recognized. Let one name be lifted high. The name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Jesus, we honor you. We worship and adore you. Lord, we cry out from the inner being here today. We cry out and we say, Jesus, we worship. We magnify you. We honor you and we lift you up in this place. Lord, not just with songs that we are so used to singing, but with voices and hearts that are truly engaging with you. We ask, oh God, that the dew of heaven would rest over us and that there would be an open heaven over this fellowship as we move forward with you. And so, Lord, knit our hearts together with you and one another. Let there be unity in the house of the Lord, where brothers and sisters dwell and abide and remain in unity. Lord Jesus, there you command the blessing. So rain down your love among us, Lord. Rain down your peace and your glory. Oh God, may we be more conscious of you than we have ever been at any time in our lives. May we press in close to you and press through everything that would hold us back and come right to your feet. Kneel before you in adoration and worship. And Lord, we pray that just awesome things will happen in our hearts and in the fellowship over these days in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, open your Bible with me, would you, to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And uh, I'm going to read these wonderful verses. Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 22. Just a short reading. Are you with me? As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishes of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat in their father Zebedee, with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Friends, here we are 2,000 years on since the public ministry of Jesus began. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus is still calling people today? What a privilege it is, isn't it, to, to know that we are called of God and to know that in this age, thousands upon thousands of people are coming to Christ. We get the wrong impression, don't we, in, in our climate, in our culture, uh, in our nation, we get the wrong impression because right around the globe, there are now at this moment more people coming to Christ than there ever has been in history. Um, we are not seeing what we want to see. I stood on the platform in the fellowship where I'm now pastoring and said, you know, all honesty, and you've probably heard me say this as well, that I have not yet seen what I want to see, what I long to see in the kingdom of God. And I think that would be the same for you as well. But the 
Jesus is still calling people and many are deciding to follow him. When Jesus called these two sets of brothers, it was totally life-changing. One day they were going about their ordinary routine of life and then suddenly Jesus called them. They left everything and they followed him in the way. I, I love that terminology, don't you? Because you know the early Christians were called people of the way. So uh, I love that they followed him in the way, not their way, his way. Amen. And that's a challenge for us this weekend, really. I'm going to be delivering this. That Are you seeking to follow Jesus your way, or are we truly disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, we mustn't think that this is the first time that these brothers have met Jesus, because if we were to read John chapter 1, we find that they were actually disciples of John the Baptist. That's very significant, because something had happened in their heart already. Already. Something had happened in their spirit. They were seeking God. And they were also present when uh, Jesus was baptized. They heard John. They saw John the Baptist point to Jesus, pointing away from himself, pointing to Jesus and saying, Behold the Lamb of God. And seeing him baptized coming up out of the water and seeing the Holy Spirit descend upon him. So how awesome that they had been watching Jesus. We actually find more detail of the call that Jesus brings in a different passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 5. So quickly flick over with me into Luke chapter 5 where we also find a little bit more information, the details of a different outline. So let me read this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats <clears throat> left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I love that, don't you? What a willingness of spirit. Just because Jesus said so, because you said so, we will let down the nets against all the odds, amen, in the natural. They toiled all night, caught nothing. Don't you feel like that sometimes? I think we do, don't we? In church life, uh, in the season that we're in in our nation, sometimes we feel that we have been toiling all night, faithfully, 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 working, forgive the deep theology, plugging away and working hard at everything we seek to do in the kingdom of God. And all it takes, though, isn't it, is that one key, that one moment where we hear the Lord say, actually, go back out and do it this way. Oh, this must have been a thrill for these disciples. And it was a life-changing moment. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so far they began to sink. Of course, in this day and age, we wouldn't take that attitude because we'd all try and keep them in the one boat. <laughs> wouldn't we? 
I think the day might come when we see such a move of God that we have to actually approach our partners in the gospel. We say, I can't disciple all these. Will you help me? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, they might not be in the same denomination. So what? <laughs> Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we experienced that type of church growth in our country? Oh, God, bring it on. So when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said, to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Hallelujah. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. So this is a different outline of the call. But these men had been watching Jesus. They'd been listening to Jesus. They had been sensing the power of God in him. They had seen him operate in ordinary life, full of love and full of the Holy Spirit. And after all, this was the Son of God. So you can imagine that they could see the difference in Jesus, even compared with John. And there was no one greater than John. And so uh, Jesus comes into this environment and he begins to attract people to him. Hallelujah. I wonder if you are still as attracted to Jesus as you were when you first believed. I wonder if you're still attracted to Jesus at the level when you first encountered him. That's our responsibility to keep that alive. I can honestly say, uh, and I'm accountable for what I say before God, I don't believe in all the years that I've followed him from when I was a little boy, that I've lost my passion for God. I don't believe there's been a moment in my years of service when I've not hungered and cried and called for more of God with the realization that he has to be our first love. Oh, we go through those times when we have to be drawn back. But thanks be to God, we can learn from the response and the reaction of these men who came to be followers of Jesus. So let me share several factors with you about their experience, about their reactions, because we also answer the call of God in the same way as they did to become followers of Jesus. want to talk about three things. I usually build sermons around three points, David, because three points make prizes. And, <laughs> and so very simply, three things that I share with you. Firstly, becoming a follower of Jesus can I just, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like apologizing for the basics of these things, but I've reached the realization, actually, you know, sometimes it's the most basic things that hold us in tight to the Lord. Uh, and just re revisiting them and coming over them again can be a deep thing for us. So becoming a follower of Jesus involves a definite call to repentance. Why do you say that? Why do you preach on these things? Because I tell you why, church, it concerns me at times, and I wonder whether we've realized that the call of God to repentance is not just an initial decision. Uh, it is about walking in repentance rather than just an initial call to repentance. But it begins with that, an absolute definite call to repentance. We can all stand and say, we know that that means a change of direction. We know theologians
theologically, it means turn around, a change of mind, a new way of living in the power of God instead of living for self. But I want to introduce another level on that and say to us that actually it's about God bringing us to a place in our hearts and minds, not a one-off experience, but it's about God bringing us to a place where our spirit is transformed. I believe that's what true repentance is. It's not just a little moment when we say, oh, go on then, Lord, I will accept you, after much persuasion for an evangelist in an emotional moment. It, this is about a change of spirit, it's about a change of heart, and it's about a change of mind. And I am convinced that unless we see a real deep work of repentance that is not just an off, one-off moment, but an ongoing work of repentance, by the Spirit of God transforming us, then we will not be able to be true, close followers of Jesus. Oh, how much we need that. And so God takes us from a place of hostility and rejection to a place of peace and acceptance. Yes, acceptance that we've sinned against God. Yes, acknowledgement of our need. Yes, recognition that we've lived without him and we now need him. But Jesus needs to become the one that we walk with, the one that we talk with. And I believe walking in a spirit of repentance is one of the greatest keys. So let's just look at the encounter that Peter had with Jesus in our story. Look at the reaction of Peter. When Peter saw the power of God, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Don't you think sometimes we can become so confident and so sure of ourselves that even in what we call our quiet time, we don't always approach with that reverence. We don't always approach with that awareness of, of where we are and who we are. And you say, yes, Pastor Paul, but you know, God moves us on and we mature. I think sometimes we need to come back to the place where we recognize of our flesh. We are needing to come before him and say, Lord, yes, I'm a sinful man, but thank you for your grace. But we still need to come in that way. Peter already knew he was a sinner. If he had never come to Jesus in this way, then things would have not been right for Peter, just as for us. So you don't need anybody else to tell you that, do you? I think we as Christians are more convinced and more sure nowadays as Pentecostals that we are in total need of Christ and total need of Jesus. And we don't need anybody to come and remind us of our sin, do we? You know, I, I don't know about you, but when we're walking with Jesus, you know, it's a little bit like the psalmist, my sin is ever before me. Uh, should we ever be people who move away from that place? I, I, I don't, thank you, David. I don't know whether we should. I, I think we should be always aware of our need and always aware of his grace, but nevertheless aware of his need. So we read this fascinating story. We read it. It's actually Peter's deep salvation moment, isn't it? Because it's the first time he comes in kneels and he acknowledges who Jesus is. Go from me, I'm a sinful man, Lord. And then, of course, I'm reminded of Romans 10 and 9. I was sitting with two guys telling Rob the story. Uh, forgive this personal story. I was in a hotel and I was at this table having a meal. I was on my own. Oh. 
And uh, I just happened to have my iPad open. Oh, don't worry, us pastors can cope with it, can't we, Dave? <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was there in this hotel, and uh, I just happened to have my iPad open, and I've got a confession to make. God can use anything to start a story, can't he? Uh, and in front of me, I was looking at motors, uh, and, and I was looking at lovely cars, and one of these two guys are top business fellas, these, and they looked across, he said, that's a nice car. I said, it's a very nice car. And of course, that broke the ice. We started talking, and we just spent about an hour talking together, and uh, the staff were listening in, and it was just a divine moment, you know, and uh, I shared Jesus. And as I began to talk, I, I began to talk about church, actually, and then I thought, well, you know, that, that's okay. But then slowly, I turned it around, and I began to talk about Jesus. And in fact, I was with a group of pastors just the last few days, and uh, we were recognizing that we're all prone to talk uh, quite a bit about church, but actually, we need to begin to talk about Jesus. Uh, when we're in our one-to-one -one encounters with people. And I began to open up about Jesus and talk to these guys. And slowly but surely, the, the presence of God began to come down in that hotel room. And one of the guys, these fellas would have been around 50-ish, and one of the guys began to weep a little bit, and he was a bit embarrassed in front of his mate, you know. But it was just, it was just happening. And, and uh, he said to me, why hasn't anybody ever told me this before? Why, why, why is that? You know, I, I, nobody's told me this before. And uh, just Jesus began to come, and this other guy says to me, he said, well, I, I've heard it because actually, you know, one of my best friends is number two to Nicky Gumbel uh, at Holy Trinity Brompton. And, and so we began to talk. This fellow was XAS, XSAS. He'd been in the Falklands. And I, we just carried on talking about Jesus and how wonderful it was. And then he began to go as well, you know, and it was all wonderful. So I said to these guys, I said, guys, when you get back to your room, knowing there would be a Gideon's Bible in the hotel room, I said, find that book, turn to this piece of scripture, turn to this, and then read Romans chapter 8 about how Jesus Christ wants to just come and, and really give you a witness on the inside that you belong to him, just shared the truth of the Lord with him. And then, uh, I don't know if some of you are on that LinkedIn site, you know, where you know who's who and you find out what's going on, and uh, they, this guy looked me up, found out who I was, sent me an email and said, uh, I've just texted my mate in the other room, I said, have you found it? He said, it's on Page so and so, you know. Uh, I thought, I love that. So normal, Pastor David. So I didn't know where it was, but it's on one page 1147 or something like that, you know. Looks it up, and, and there it is, this passage of scripture. And uh, he said, It's amazing, it's amazing, amazing. And he said, How fascinating. He says, Your name is Paul James. And you were sitting with two guys called Paul and one called James. Uh, and he was reading so much into it, you know. <laughs> I'm not changing his mind. He can think what he wants, you know. <laughs> but how wonderful to be able to share this. And this passage of Scripture 
just leapt into my spirit. And I thought, let's, be, let's read this together. Let's, shall we do that? Let's read this together. Are you ready? Come on, church. When did you last read this? Probably last time I was here. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Hallelujah. That is the truth of the gospel, isn't it? I love that. And being able to walk out from this meeting tonight with that knowledge in your spirit and that knowledge in your mind. But is this a one-off experience or is this about walking in repentance before the Lord with a daily confession? I think it's both. I think it's both. And I, I remember this guy, he sent me a message saying, we've got to talk again, you know. So we, we're going to talk again with these, these, the, these two businessmen. How wonderful, people right on the edge. And I think these disciples had been watching John and watching Jesus, and they were right there on the edge, right there. And as the story continued, we're recognizing this was exactly what needed to happen to Peter to become a true follower of Jesus. He'd been religious. He'd practiced what had been expected in Judaism. But now he was beginning relationship with God. And this was what he'd hungered for all his life. Hallelujah. Not marvelous. What he'd hungered for all his life. And sometimes we lose the value and don't recognize just how awesome it is to walk with the Lord. Then becoming a follower of Jesus involves a definite call to a new life. You know, we're living in a time that greatly concerns me where people seem to want God to help them improve their life, improve their world, to provide and do what they want to do, almost with arrogance that they can sort of command God to do something because they think he must honor the book. You know, well, you said it, Lord, I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it, I'm claiming it. Oh, what a spirit to come before God with. No, Lord, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that brings with it demands. Amen? Demands that tell Paul James, I must leave everything behind and I don't think there's that easy believism uh, th that isn't enough for me you know I don't want to just a loose belief I don't just want to be a follower from a distance you know that, that's what happened when Jesus was facing his darkest moment and his his darkest hour and they followed from a distance and, and when we're in these dark days and dark times we need to be very careful that we also as a church don't follow from a distance and I believe God has sent me this weekend to share with this simple message with you that maybe we need to be challenged again so we don't follow from a distance. Many pastors and leaders are greatly concerned, crying out to God for the answer because of the pressure of life, because of the changes in our world and society. People who are solidly walking with God, absolutely committed to the work of God. You might see them once every three weeks now and you can't work together, you can't serve together because something has happened so there's a following from a distance and I believe that Peter here wanted more than that 
And so there's the demands that Jesus brings. Oh, my friend, I believe God will provide everything we need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. My brother always goes about saying, I'm not really into this poverty gospel. <laughs> and he laughs about it because he's a bit of a comedian. And I've got to say, I'm not into it either. But neither am I into the extreme of believing we need to be seriously, seriously dripping with gold. I think we have a responsibility to submit to the demands of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means God will bless us beyond measure, but we must steward what he has given as well. And we must give and give and give. I think it's a release when we understand that whatever God has given to us, we give back, recognizing he owns everything. My wife and I recognize we own nothing. We hold everything that God has blessed us with lightly and loosely. We thank God for working in our hearts and our family and our children. But how wonderful to know that everything we have belongs to him. Amen? Everything. My home. My beautiful new car that I actually did buy, Pastor Dave. <laughs> everything. We own nothing. And then, I mean, it's a good job, isn't it, really? It's an absolute good job. So how we steward things, how we operate with our finance, how we operate with our time, these were the demands that the disciples would have to come face to face with. And, and in our generation, come on, church, let's, let's recognize in the context that we live in, it isn't necessarily going to be that Jesus saves you, calls you, and the next day you leave your job. No, for most of us, we actually have to go in the following day and be the best we can be in the workplace. Give evidence to the salvation that we have received. Please turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus demands that we do the best job we can. Oh, you, you didn't want to hear that, did you really? No, 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 no. The best job we can do. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, I hate my job. We were talking yesterday about this. You didn't know the significance of what I was going to preach, David. But when you said, you know, you felt the call of God and you spoke to your, your pastor and, and, and he said to you about going in and making sure that you stick it out and work it through. And that, from that day, you had a different heart towards your work, knowing that God would call you out and set you free to serve him full-time at some point. But it wasn't to be. I, saw, I had the same experience. I was, a, I was champing at the bit. You can imagine it, can't you? I, I was champing at the bit to get full-time in the work of the Lord. But I had to wait nine years! And when I got to seven years, I thought, I'm there, I'm there. And then the Lord said, no. What? <laughs> and I had to continue. But eventually God made the way. So it might not be that you leave your job, but it does mean handling what we handle totally different. 
And then we recognize that this moment, this encounter with Jesus, that Peter had brought uncertainty. We don't know everything. We don't have every answer. We don't know every detail about how God will lead us. But how wonderful, what a privilege to be able to pass over everything to God and say, Lord, you work out your purpose. And when Peter came to the feet of Jesus, Jesus looked at him and he saw everything he could be. He never sent him away. Peter knew he didn't deserve to be there. But Jesus never sent him away. Jesus knew he was a real hothead. But Jesus never sent him away. Jesus knew that he would deny him three times. But Jesus never sent him away. Neither will he do that for any of us. And then Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Paul, let me just roll these beautiful statements out about what Jesus will do. I just wrote these because they were prompts in my heart. Number one, Jesus will forgive you. Amen. That's needed. He can bring that. Number two, Jesus will cleanse you. Thirdly, he will heal and restore you. He will give you a brand new beginning. And he will cause you to be effective in life and satisfied. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? You know, when you're this side of the fence, isn't it true? You cannot understand why anybody would not want Jesus, can you? You can't. You think, where is the sense in that rejection? And yet there are blindness. There's blindness over their eyes. And sometimes we forget to recognize the privilege and the honor what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Every one of these beautiful things is ours. How precious. Wonderful Savior. Just when you look at those things that God does for us, you can, your heart and your spirit is stirred and you say, Lord, I worship you. Hallelujah. That's, that should stir that in your heart. Should stir that in your heart. I learned as a young boy to allow my heart to be stirred my heart to be moved. Rob and I were talking this afternoon around the table, Rob, about some of the meetings and the people he would remember and would recall. And I was in those meetings as a little boy because he's old enough to be my grandfather. And, <laughs> and uh, I remember some of those times. And in moments when the Spirit of God would come down so that you could hardly breathe, and the places were so full that people would be sitting on the window ledges just to get in to the atmosphere and under the word of God. I long for those days again. Long for those days again when the manifest presence of God is at a higher level. But I've learned something for myself that I am able to stir up and fan into flame the gift of God within me. And as we see these type of statements and they move us to worship, how wonderful to be able to say, Lord, I know I'm a true disciple and follower of Jesus. And then the third thing is becoming a follower of Jesus involves a definite call of faith. I make no apology. I am a faith man. Amen. 
Yeah, I'm not a hyper-faith man in an extreme sense, but I believe what the Word of God teaches us about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I just want to lay a challenge in your heart tonight and with no apology to say, come on, church, come on, my friend, where is your faith level right now? Do you need to begin to exercise your faith again? The Bible talks about moving in faith. We know about living by faith. And sometimes we have to begin to exercise our faith again. And faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in what he has done and faith in what he has said. Faith in what he's accomplished and faith in his promises. Because the promises of God are... Yes and amen. So if your faith has begun to weaken, and it's amazing what can undermine and weaken your faith, whether it's doubt, unbelief, or fear, or things not quite working out the way you think, how we need to stimulate that and exercise that. And faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. And so we come back to the place where we say, Lord, give me a hunger for your word. Give me a, an ability to be disciplined in my life so that I open the truth and I'm learning how to feed my soul, learning how to feed my spirit. It greatly concerns me the number of people who actually have stopped reading the word of God. Friend, learn from tonight that we must be active in our faith, growing in our faith. We must be people of faith because God calls us to a life of faith. Amen. A life of dependency upon Jesus Christ involves faith. Isn't it interesting to note that Jesus called fishermen ordinary men? There was at least four, possibly seven, but they were ordinary men going about their daily life. Not great scholars, not great academics. They were fishermen who were used to hard work and long hours of toil. I loved what one wonderful writer said. He said this, I wish I'd written this. You know, David, when you read something, you think, why didn't I write that before he did? <laughs> and when you're going to preach it, you've got to tell him, you've got to be honest and say, I never wrote this. That's integrity, isn't it? But listen, I love it. It's lovely, lovely. He said this about the fisherman. He said this, the fisherman had to be patient because quick results won't always come. Don't you think that's significant for our day? Because we are living in an age when everything is expected to be instant, isn't it? When young couples come together to get married, they just want the whole house. They don't want a table passed on from somebody. They want it the way they want it. And a lot of our patience and being willing to wait for things is gone, but... Here, the fisherman had to learn from his work. Then the fisherman had to persevere. Don't be discouraged. To be able to try again. And maybe tonight, as I preach this message, there's somebody, you're sitting there thinking, well, pastor, you know, I've tried so many times. Come on. Don't be discouraged. 
Lift up your heart, lift up your face and your eyes and begin again as God calls you tonight. Try again. That was the word to Peter. Go out again. And that time they landed a great catch. Thirdly, the fishermen had to have great courage. Amen? Turn to your name and say, be of good courage. Be of good courage. Be of good cheer. Learn. Learn to exercise your heart and be filled with courage that comes from the Lord. When Miriam and I um, occasionally go to Scarborough uh, and we have some time there with our family, if we have a few hours where we've got some time for ourselves, we wander down onto the seafront and we'll sit there and we'll have a cappuccino and uh, we'll, we'll watch the boats coming in and out of the harbour. It's a beautiful harbour. If you do get the chance to have a holiday in Scarborough, it is the Queen of the Yorkshire coast and you would be most welcome. Uh, and it's a beautiful place to visit, it really is. And uh, sometimes we sit there and we watch the boats coming, the fishermen coming into the harbour and they tie up, at, uh, moor up at the side. Uh, and if you look at some of these boats, they seem so small. And especially if the tide's out, they're way down. And you see them come on and they deal with the fish, the catch, and sometimes they just slip into the harbour just before a, a great squall might, might come up. The, the, the weather's changing. And you look at the size of these boats and you think, if they were out on a rough sea, I just wouldn't want to be on such a small vessel out in the middle of such a big storm. That takes courage. That takes courage. And my mind was brought to the fact that right now, uh, in the time we're living in, we, you may well not be aware of it with what's happening around the world and with everything's changing we're obviously in end time, seeing end time events it's almost like a great squall is, is 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 rising and we're out there in the storm and we need to be men and women of courage to know that actually we are we may well be out in the storm but Jesus is right there with us in the boat. Amen? He's right there in the boat with you. Maybe you need to turn to your neighbor and just say that Jesus is right in the boat of your life. <coughs> right there, right there in the storm so we can have great courage. And then, I love this point. He said, the fisherman must keep himself out of the vision. What a statement. Keep himself out of vision. Because even his shadow could cause the fish not to bite. And what a great thing to be able to stand on the platform this weekend and say, Lord, as we move forward in this weekend, we only want to see Jesus. We only want to see Jesus. Lord, as we start the weekend together, let us be desperate to kneel at your feet, recognizing that we are sinful people, but amazed by your love and amazed by your grace. Jesus went out of his way to show us that it was ordinary men and women that primarily he wanted to call. Shepherds, workers in the harvest field, in our generation, people in a factory, in a school, in an office, a housewife in a home, serving behind a coffee shop, doing the carpets, painting, serving in the shop, fitting kitchens as a fitness instructor. (coughs) 
as a pastor. Ordinary people whom God calls from every walk of life. And tonight, we can't go to the place where Jesus was and listen to him as he pushed the boat from the shore and listen to him teach. We can't walk along a dusty road and watch him pick up some grit, grain physically there with him and listen, listen to him tell the story about the kingdom of God. But you see, this same saviour who died on a cross, rose again, ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit is still calling men and women today. And men and women are still coming to his feet, recognising I am a sinful man. But hearing the call of God to the point where our repentance is so deep and real that we not only make a decision that we want to see Jesus improve our life and our world, but that we truly do surrender everything we are and everything we have. And we take up everything and follow him. Recognizing everything we have, he owns. He belongs, everything we have belongs to him. I think we've lost the dimension of remembering that when we give our lives and ourselves to Christ, we cease to own our life and our future. We belong to God. Hallelujah. I think it's one of the most releasing revelations that can hit the human spirit to know that we belong to God. It takes faith and it takes trust to respond to that call, not to easy believism, not to a half-hearted response that brings no change of mind or no change of life, a definite call to follow Jesus that touches every area of my life. As I move to a close tonight, let me just bring this checklist. Think about your obedience to the Word of God. Number one, His demands upon you, your sacrifice for the work of God. I remember my wife coming to me once, saying to me, Paul, when we went into the ministry, I had no idea what we were starting. And when I look at my wife, I actually think she has sacrificed so much more than I have. You see, tonight I'm here with you for Jesus. But my wife's alone in our home and she's poorly. She sent me a text saying, Paul, I'm racked with pain. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm so far away. And I prayed. As I began this work, edit this.
And so there are many things that we sacrifice in the work of the Lord, but it's worth it. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's worth it. And then the demands upon your finance. What about the demands upon your finance? Are these not the true tests of someone who is following Jesus? And I ask the question, what about you giving to him? Do you tithe properly? And then his demand of ownership of you and your future. Lord, my life is in your hands. I've become a follower of you, a real disciple. Therefore, my life is truly yours. And I wrote a prayer at the end of this message just saying, Lord, I pray we will answer the call to be a true follower of Jesus. Surrender all to you. Leave everything behind that would hinder. Take up the call and follow you. It's a challenge. But it's a challenge worth answering so that we truly are followers of Jesus. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bow our hearts before you tonight. We acknowledge that you are here by your spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus that as we respond to your word that every one of us would assess our hearts. So we leave the place, Father, we pray that we will walk with a deep conviction that calls us afresh. We'll hear the voice of heaven. Thank you, Lord, that we are called, just as Peter was, to be a follower of you. We pray that our discipleship will be real, not just to improve our life, but that we surrender our life and that we will respond to the demands that your commands make and that in seeking to live for you, Lord, from this night, we'll be more effective as a true follower. Oh, Lord Jesus, we pray that our hearts would be in a place of reverence, that as we come to your feet, we would walk in repentance and as we rise to our feet, we would follow you every step of the way, not from a distance, but as close as we can be, as an example shining out in the world. So, Father, thank you for the opportunity we've had of spending some time together. Pray, Father, that as we surrender and willingly make the sacrifice, that you will empower each one of us by your Spirit to truly live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.